0: This episode is brought to you by Made On Skincare products. These products are amazing, especially their Bee Silk Lotion Bar, because it only has three ingredients, and one of them is beeswax. Which what it does is it seals in their coconut oil and shea butter, and it makes it so that you don't have to keep reapplying. You know, when you have like a liquid lotion with all that water in it, that means that you also have preservatives in there. If your lotion's filled with water, well, the bees lotion bar only has three simple ingredients and it works it is a totally amazing product. My daughter had some really dry skin issues and their products solve the problem within a few days of using it. Now, what is totally amazing is that they normally do offer my listeners a special coupon code, which I will put in the show notes, but they're also partnering with the Homeschool Mom Collective in the month of May. And for any members who renew their membership, they will send you a free BSILK Lotion bar. You only have to pay shipping. This is totally worth it and it's kind of like a win win situation. So if you haven't jumped into the Homeschool Mom Collective yet, remember you get 30 days for free. So what are you waiting for? You can join us at 41more.com forward slash membership. And then check out our bonus partner, Made on Skincare Products, by going to hardlotion.com forward slash 41more. Welcome to episode 110. You can find the show notes by going to 41more.com forward slash one ten, and believe me, you're gonna want to head to the show notes today because in addition to our sponsor and our bonus um, offer from Made On Skincare, you're gonna want to check out the resources from our guests today. And today we're chatting with Jen Carson, who is the homeschool mom behind the blog WholeChildHomeschool.com. Jen is a mom to six. She has a master's degree in communication disorders. She's licensed to practice speech language. Pathology. she knows a little bit about what she's talking about. So she's quite the expert. And even in what we're talking about today with kids with ADHD, she has personal experience in her family with this situation. And I thought she was a great person to have on because I know that if you're dealing with this, you are not alone. And I want to give you the tools and solutions as a homeschool mom to be able to do the best job possible with your kids who might have ADHD. So Jen has a lot of resources for you to check out. We're going to mention a bunch of them, but remember you can always find links to them in the show notes by going to 41more.com forward slash 110. So today we're specifically talking about organizing your homeschool to help your ADHD kids. There's a lot of other ways we could talk about ADHD, but that's the one area we're zoning in on because you can help with the organization, you can definitely make things better in the organization field so that your ADHD kids are much more successful. So Jen is going to give you some really great ideas. And I enjoyed our conversation. So here we go. Listen in. Here's Jen Carson from wholechildhomeschool.com. Hey, Jen, thanks for joining me today.
1: Absolutely. I'm so glad to be here.
0: Now, I would love to start out with just getting to know you a little bit, so maybe you can introduce yourself and your family.
1: Sure. I'm a licensed speech-language pathologist turned homeschool mom. My husband and I have been married for 29 years, and we have six kids. When our oldest three kids were 11, 16, and 20, we adopted three very young kids from foster care. So now our kids range in age from 5 to 25. And we like to joke that all of us have ADHD because we all do, even our extended family members do, but it's not something that we're embarrassed about or ashamed to talk about. It's just a part of who we are and how our brains work.
0: I love that. So it's like you almost started over with parenting again, right? With getting those younger ones. Yes. That's amazing. I love it. Did you homeschool the older kids as well? Like, what's your homeschooling
1: story? Well, we started homeschooling in the spring of my oldest daughter's kindergarten year with the intention of just finishing out that school year. Uh, She had a lot of sensory issues along with her ADHD. So she was going to some private occupational therapy to work on some of her sensory issues. And her kindergarten teacher had no desire to listen to any of the suggestions from myself or from her occupational therapist. Uh, So I started volunteering in the classroom thinking maybe I could build a relationship with the teacher and and connect with her that way. And only I was horrified to discover that she was uh, ridiculing and bullying my daughter uh, in a request to switch teachers was denied so we pulled her out just to homeschool to finish out that year Because we thought well we'll get a different teacher in the fall for first grade and we ended up loving homeschooling so much that we just continued and that was 20 years ago. (laughs) That's awesome.
0: So what has your homeschooling style changed throughout the years or have you had a pretty consistent style with all your kids?
1: No, it's definitely evolved over the years, and especially getting the, the younger ones, I felt like I was getting a chance to do it over, like to, to take everything that I learned from my older kids that got to be guinea pigs and uh, try just to do the things that we found that worked the best. And so we've like, tried the classical trivium, unit studies, traditional curriculum in a box, you name it, and we probably tried it. Um, but since we still have such a wide age range that we're homeschooling now, because I have a high schooler and then I have a preschooler, a first grader and a second grader. So we've settled on unit studies with some classical and traditional elements and a lot of hands-on STEM type activities thrown in. So I guess you would call us eclectic, <laughs> but I ma- think mostly unit <laughs>
0: Yeah. I think a lot of us try everything just because you don't know when you're just new. And then you do, I think a lot of us end up eclectic because we love parts of everything. And I, I, that's how I look at myself too. Yeah. So I love that. Very, very cool. Now this topic is super great. I told you before I hit record that I'm so excited to talk to you because this is not a topic I have a lot of Knowledge on it all. So, we're talking about ADHD and organizing for kids who have ADHD. And, you know, I was thinking a lot of homeschool families might have a child in their home with this, but we don't always get those official diagnoses when they're not in a public school, right? Because we see, you know, them with certain tendencies and we think, well, I'll just accommodate them. I don't need an official diagnosis. So, maybe we can just start from the beginning and maybe you can describe for us, like what are the key characteristics or challenges of a child that does have ADHD? How will parents see this show up?
1: Well, two of my kids do have an official diagnosis. Um, uh, other four don't have official ones, but we only pursued the diagnosis for our oldest because we wanted to try medication. Uh, and that ended up not having any noticeable change in uh her academics and just her behavior. So we started looking for other ways to uh, help her to be successful. So the three key characteristics of ADHD are an inability to pay attention, hyperactivity and impulsivity. Now, two of the other main challenges that often show up are difficulty with executive functions and trouble regulating emotions. So executive functions are basically just the ability to think through a task ahead of time, to multitask and follow directions and having flexible thinking. A lot of kids with ADHD are very rigid in their thinking. Um, So that's that's kind of the background of the things that you're going to look for.
0: Okay, so since you have a lot of experience with this, have you noticed that it shows up differently at different ages or is it pretty consistent? Like, will a preschooler have certain signs that maybe a high schooler will not or is it generally the same?
1: No, it's pretty different. Uh, In my experience with my kiddos, the preschool years are characterized by they pulling out every single toy they own but not playing with any of them having lots of tantrums, interrupting, grabbing things from others. And also, they, they it seems like they s- seek out ways to keep their motor running really high, um, like always asking for like sugary, carby snacks to keep their motors revved up or climbing and jumping, seeking out um, ways to keep that adrenaline going. Um, and also getting into things they shouldn't, and getting into trouble seems to keep their that motor high for them. Mm-hmm. Um, at the elementary age level, you'll notice that your kids' papers are very disorganized and messy. They lose their papers and their school supplies on a regular basis, and they often have a lot of trouble just getting started on their schoolwork. So time management. And organization are really tough for them. And if they think a task or assignment will be too hard or take too long, they won't even start on it. They'll just shut down. And as my kids have gotten older, the high motor, hyperactive aspect often looks more like a hyper focus. So you might have a kid that you like. Well, I don't think they're hyperactive because they can sit and read a book for hours or they can sit and play a video game for hours. But that's something that's keeping their brain very engaged. And so the hyperactivity is actually all inside their head, not not showing up with their body, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, So the hyper focus is for things that are highly engaging and, and something that they really enjoy, like reading or playing video games and Like, for example, as an an adult with ADHD, I know that I can't pick up a fun novel, fiction, whatever book to read um, unless I have time to sit and finish it. Because if I have to, if I'm interrupted or it's time to pick supper, I feel like this great imposition that I have to stop what I'm doing um, to do something for someone else. And... As a mom, that's you know not really the feeling that we, that we want to have when, um, with our kids. So I just have learned that I can't sit down and do that unless I have a, a large chunk of time to sit and read the book the whole way through. And so our kids with ADHD feel the same way when they're hyper-focused on something. And with our teenagers, it might look like them becoming, just blowing up anger because you've asked them to take out the trash and they're reading a book or doing some of the things they really are focused on. And it's, it's not a personal thing and it's not a disrespect thing. It's that they feel this horrible imposition that you've interrupted their focus. Um, And so and they, and they also respond angrily because remember, they don't have good impulse control, so they're gonna blow up and they don't regulate their emotions well. So uh, that's, I guess, kind of one, one of the ways to understand um, their reaction when we interrupt that hyperfocus. And ADHD can also be seen in our teenage kids when they interrupt us while we're talking or if it doesn't seem like they're listening to anything that we say, I know that my oldest son will insist, just, you know, flat out say, no, there's no way you asked me to do that. I did not hear you, you did not say it. um, If I asked him to do something, but it's because between the time that I started talking to him, And he heard a word that made his brain jump onto a different train of thought. And so he's thinking about that other thing and not not hearing me. So I have to remember that it's not intentional disrespect. It's just something that he's working on learning to redirect his brain back to what we're talking about so that he can um, focus on listening and ignore those distractible thoughts. Um, Teens with ADHD also seem to be very black and white in their thinking. Remember I said they have very rigid thinking. Um, and so it's really hard for them to see uh, what I call gray areas. They think that something is either right or wrong, and there's no in between. There's, there's, there's just no flexibility in their thinking. Um, and they also often put their foot in their mouth by blurting out something without even thinking about it. And I know as an adult, I still struggle with that. And I often joke that I'm just as surprised as everybody else by what comes out of my mouth lots of times, because I don't even know I'm going to say it. It just pops out.
0: Wow. So there really is. There are a lot of different ways this shows itself. I had no idea that there was that much nuance, but that was very helpful. Thanks for going through that. Now, I know there are probably a million different ways we could look at ADHD today, but be, we're going to just talk about the organization aspect of it. So let's just talk about in general, before we get into specific strategies, like how does organization help kids with ADHD? Why is that such an important thing to like work on and focus on in our homeschools?
1: Well, I think the organization really plays a key part because remember the Kids with ADHD can't plan out and execute a task. They don't have that executive functioning ability. So organization helps them plan out. Um, like even if it's like writing a story or a report, having a set organized way of doing it to go through it can help. Um, and organization can help them from shutting down when they feel overwhelmed. So it's just, um, they really, they, really thrive on routine and knowing what's going to happen next. And so these organizational strategies really help with, with those things.
0: Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It takes off that pressure for them. I guess it gives them a structure um, that makes a total lot of sense there. Now, Some of the strategies that you use, I'm looking at them and I'm saying, well, I think they're great for every kid, even if they don't have ADHD, right? So maybe we can talk about a few of the strategies. And especially, I was thinking about work bins and visual task cards. That's great, I think, for most elementary kids. They need that like visual aspect of knowing what to do next. So can you talk about how you've used those uh,
1: strategies with your kids? Sure. So the... The work bins, I originally got the idea back in like 2009 from Erica at Confessions of a Homeschooler. And she was using Sue Patrick's Workboxes organizational system. I think she's the original creator of it. But basically, it works like that. You have multiple bins or boxes. And it doesn't really even matter what you put your stuff in. You could put it in um, three-ring binders or folders. We use these little... Um, dish pans from the dollar store, and everybody has several of those um, with little pictures on the front and numbers on the front, so they're numbered. And um, so how it works is you have several of the bins and boxes for each kid, and you put your kids' work for the day into the boxes, but you also put in other things like fidget toys or a card game, just our hands-on learning activities to to intersperse throughout the day. So when they pull out each bin, it's kind of like a surprise of, oh, look, I get to do this and it's fun. Um, Instead of just having a stack of books on their desk or a stack of worksheets, um, this kind of like breaks it up into manageable, doable chunks um, so it's not overwhelming. So, Like for example, for my second grader, she might have these boxes, these. So here's seven boxes that she might have for the day. In box one would be her math workbook and then a math learning wrap ups game. And the second box is her science reading. And the third box is a card game like wig out to play with me. And box four is a spelling activity and a grammar lesson. Box five are the supplies for a science experiment. Box six is her reading book. And box seven is an audio book along with a jar of thinking putty. So if your family does uh, their school like a morning basket time where you're doing most of your activities um, together, then you could use the work bins to put their independent work into. So you just toss their independent work into each of their bins. Um, and we found that work bins are also a wonderful way to encourage independence because the kids can go through. And when they get done with one box, they can do the next box and they don't have to keep coming and interrupting you to say, What am I supposed to do now? So it helps them to learn to go through and get all their work done on their own. So the visual assignment or the visual schedule that we use, um, we actually use it with. Uh, preschoolers all the way up to high schoolers. Um, so it's not just for little kids. And like you said, it works so well for kids that don't have ADHD. I know a lot of my friends uh, use this system as well. And basically you have a, a page that has Velcro dots on it, maybe like in t- spaces for like 20 cards. And so there, I have over 50 cards in the packet, pick from so there's a lot of academic and outside activities plus all like your morning chores that sort of thing to pick from and so you set up each day for the kids so that they can look at it and know okay you know like after I do my boxes one two and three I'm going to get to have a break and go outside and play for a little bit so it helps them to understand what's coming up for the day So like a sample day might have cards for breakfast and their morning chores, morning basket time with the family, uh, their work bins, one, two, and three, a break for playtime, their lunch, and then bins, four, five, and six, and maybe go to a dentist appointment and then come back and finish the rest of their bins and have supper go to a meeting of like American heritage girls or whatever extracurricular thing they're doing, come home and take a shower, do their evening chores and go to bed. So they can, as they they do each thing, they pull that Velcro card off so they can see what they have left to do for the day. Um, Now for my little kids, I set it up for them in the morning so that they know what they're gonna be doing that day. But my bigger kids um, can make it themselves and eventually they'll stop using it because they can plan out in their head what they're going to do for the day. And they don't need that, that visual anymore. And actually the ultimate goal, right, is for us to be able to manage our time and plan it out in our heads um, independently. So when they get to that stage and they can do it on their own, um, we just we quit using it. But and usually that's around high school age when they can um, stop using it. So, but that system is what has helped them to have that executive functioning skill of um, time management and planning out their day, uh, knowing what they need to do for the day. And like I said, you can get that, um, the charts and all the daily task cards, it's free in uh, on the blog.
0: That's awesome. So, and, and we will definitely put links in there in the show notes and everyone can go over and grab them because we did use some of those aspects and my kids, I mean, maybe someone has ADHD and I don't know it, but it worked so well when my kids were little, like just that visual, like knowing how much longer they have to do their schoolwork or, you know, when did they get a break? I agree with you. Like that's really helpful, but I can see how for a kid with ADHD, it would especially help them. And I love that aspect of like as they get older, they're taking more responsibility for their day. So you're, it's that life skill of being able to organize your time. So that's an amazing way to do it. Can you, you want to highlight just like one or two more ideas that you had? And then I know it's all on your blog. So we will send people over to read more about it as well, but maybe there's like one or two more you wanted to talk about.
1: Yeah. I wanted to talk about the, the assignment notebooks that we used. Um, my, since my kids are all really visual, it's really helpful to have an assignment notebook where everything's um, that they need to know for the week. So like, you know, like if you put their math book in their bin, they're still going to be like, oh, what am I supposed to do? So I have their assignment notebook that tells them what pages they're supposed to do. And the way I set it up is I create a grid with numbers one through five across the top and then there are subjects down on the left side and then you fill in the chart um with like what pages they need to do for math that day and there's samples of this in the blog that you can see um, and actually i sit down in the summertime and do it type it all out for the whole year the reason why it works is because if we want to take a day off to go on a field trip or if we're sick for a couple of days, we we're not tied into days of the week that are on that paper. And I know it seems silly, but, um, along with ADHD, a lot of people have perfectionist ideas. And so, um, my kids would feel like, well, the whole assignment page is just messed up, you know, like just two weeks in we were sick. And so now all these plans are messed up. So by having numbers at the top, they just know that, well, we're just doing the next day. Does that, does that make sense? That mm-hmm. um, you just pick back up where you were and it's not a certain day of the week that you're on. You're on a, a number, the days of school that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, and if, if you don't get your science done one day, you just do it the next. Um, my kids use a highlighter to cross off each assignment when they're done uh, which gives them a visual too of as they're going along, like what do I have left? Or if they want to go to see a friend on Friday, they know that I need to get all of these things. These are unhighlighted things on my assignment sheet, what I need to get done for the week in order to go. Um, so that's a nice visual also. So anyway, what what's magical about that system is that... When they're done with that week's paper and they've highlighted all their stuff, I have a record of what they did that week for my record keeping. So by doing it all ahead of time in the summer and they highlight it when they do it, our record keeping is done. You know, that's all we have to do. And it's it's great because I don't want to have to go back and write down what we did. I don't, I'm not the type of person that likes to do that. Um, So it works really, really well for us to have a record um, that is also a strategy for them that helps them. Mm -hmm.
0: So, and uh, if I'm, if I'm thinking correctly, you have templates for that assignment notebook strategy on your blog. Is that right? For like the planning? Okay. All right. I thought so. So we'll definitely send people over to get that. And, you know, I guess the takeaway from this interview is basically, there's a lot of practical simple strategies that can make homeschooling a child with ADHD much simpler and it sounds like it takes away that maybe the stress that might normally be there or maybe like like if mom like if you don't set it up or if you don't take these things into consideration I guess there could be anxiety even between mom and the child trying to get them to do their assignments right? But if you set it up like this and you yes. work with their, you know, with their the way they are and like the way they think and all that, you're actually setting them up for success. So I would say parents shouldn't be discouraged or think they can't homeschool well if their child has ADHD. It sounds like it's very doable, right?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just a matter of, of taking their strengths and using them to help them succeed, to overcome um, what might be challenges for them.
0: Because you know how sometimes homeschool moms feel like, well, if my child has any challenge whatsoever, a professional needs to educate them. And I really feel like moms need to realize that they have the tools they need, like listening to what you're saying here in this interview, like moms, a a normal everyday mom can make this work for their kid, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it's not hard at all to set it up um, it's it's actually makes it less work for me during the school year to to use these systems. Well, I was just going to say one of the biggest difficulties I think we have um, as a homeschooling ADHD family is that my kids will just sit and stare at their assignment for hours sometimes mm-hmm. and there'll be yelling and tears. And it didn't matter if I encouraged them and sat with them or punished them or even bribed them. They just, they just wouldn't do it. But then one day I finally realized that they couldn't organize their thoughts to get started because they were overwhelmed. um, Mostly with the idea that it was too hard or would take too long. So I introduced a little game called beat the timer and if they finished their assignment before the time ran out, they would get to play a card game with me. So I always set the timer for at least three times longer than what I thought it would take for them to do the assignment so that they would be sure to beat the timer. And you know what? It works every time that if they're they're feeling stuck and you say, let's beat the timer so you can play a game with me, it's like magic.
0: Is that what you call the reward strategy?
1: Yes. Okay.
0: (laughs) Okay. Wow. So like such a simple little thing, but you're setting them up for success.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. By making it, by having the timer set for so much longer than, so that they can feel like they really accomplished something um, and that it didn't really take that long. Like they thought I was going to. Mm-hmm. Um, it really helps their confidence. And um kids love to play a game or do something simple with mom. That I mean, that's like the best reward. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, for sure. They, you have so much information on your site. So I definitely want people to go check out everything in the show notes and go find your, your freebies and all this different uh, explanations you have. But as we wrap up here, maybe you can just leave us with a final bit of encouragement for the mom who's listening, who has, you know, one or several children with ADHD. What kind of final encouragement did you want to leave with them today?
1: Well, like you mentioned earlier, um, You don't need a professional um, to help you figure out um, what is best for your child. You know your child best and um, just work with them and be honest with them. And matter of fact, and uh, I think that talking to them about uh, what things help them and what things don't help them is the best way to uh, figure out what's going to work for your child.
0: Jen, thanks for joining us. This has been really helpful. Thanks again. You're welcome. I'm so glad to be here. I hope you were inspired and encouraged today that you are not alone and that there are some really easy and practical solutions for you in your homeschool and your kids who have ADHD. Definitely look to our show notes for links to all of Jen's resources. You can find our show notes by going to 41more.com forward slash 110. I really hope you'll join us in the Homeschool Mom Collective, which you can find by going to 41more.com forward slash membership. And then don't forget to check out our sponsor, Made on Skincare Products. You can find the link in the show notes, also a coupon code to use, or you can go directly to their site at hardlotion.com forward slash 41more. Thanks for joining us this week. I've got another great episode for you next week. You're not going to want to miss it. We're going to be chatting with a homeschool mom who downsized from 3,000 square feet to 350 square feet. So if you thought you had organization and decluttering issues, you're definitely going to want to tune in next week and hear from our expert and learn what you can do in your own home to get ready for next school year. It's time to declutter. It's time to figure out what we can get rid of. So definitely subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss when this episode goes live. Okay. I will chat with you next week. Hope to see you then. In the meantime, happy homeschooling.